Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the Woodworkers Podcast. I'm Ben Brunick. I got Ramon Valdez and Phil Morley with me again this evening. How are you two fellas doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ben? Doing good. Doing good, man. All right. It's our normal, <laughs> normal awkward intro going into this. Say <laughs> uh, we've got we've got a special guest on this evening, uh, Brendan Gaffney, uh, Bernhardt. Um, maybe Bernhardt made you may know him as on Instagram, uh, furniture maker, teacher out of uh, Covington, Kentucky. How you doing, Brendan? Good, good. You forgot Debonair. That Debonair. was I think, my, Debonair. My, my That's right. I did. Man about Dang the town. It. Let's yeah. start again. Let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's, it's great to have you on, Brendan. Yeah, it's great appreciate to be on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. Um, uh, Agreeing to to, to, <laughs> to, this. to be a to be a victim, to be a victim. Yeah, right. Right, right. Well, you, you just especially, you know, you just have to ask and crazy. asking and asking and asking. <laughs> years of this, so years and years. Please, <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, especially with already. your background in uh, in sound and all that. I'm just like, really wants to be on our podcast. <laughs> Oh, you know, Ben will tell you, I tried to get the good mic on and everything, but here I am sitting with iPod headphones in my spare bedroom, so I've Pro sunk level, to your man. level, man. It's sunk to our level. Awesome. I don't, we appreciate, I don't we think, appreciate it. I don't think you've gotten that low yet, Brad. Well, <laughs> you will. Yeah, yeah, by, yeah. by the time we're done with you. Yeah, I've got time. We've got 55 minutes, boys. Let's, let's get to let's, it. Let's tear them down. <laughs> <laughs> so so brandon let's just let's hear a little bit about about your background so you were you're a new york kid right yeah is that, is that yeah. the scoop yeah i grew up in pelham which which i always say is bronx adjacent so i grew up i grew up <laughs> first town up out of the bronx out of new york city in a little sort of suburban town called pelham that we, you know but in many ways was new york city in many ways was not um, but I was one of the uh, kids who had one of the weird dads who had a garage out back with a with a wood shop in it. Uh, awesome. And the house I grew up in it was a was a I think it was built in the eighteen eighties, and my dad had bought it uh, in the early eighties and had done a full had done all the restoration himself, and what, had been a boat builder and a cabinet maker and done oh, sort wow. of all sorts of stuff. So I grew up I sort of grew up around around it in a place where you know most of my friends' dads were. You know, commuting to Manhattan or doing these sort of, you know, uh, right. uh, you know, the, 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 all those, those blue collar, white collar sort of jobs. Uh, uh, but I was, I was lucky that, you know, I got to grow up around this stuff. And then, uh, uh I, I sort of got confused in the middle there for a little while. <laughs> uh, got really into music and, uh, wanted to be a musician, <laughs> which is a dangerous thing to want. If there's any, you know, better paying, job than furniture maker it might be a musician uh, and uh but so so i went in, i started playing a lot of music and i went and ended up going to school uh and do doing a self-determined major self-determined major uh at skidmore college in upstate new york which was sound which was really just sort of giving the middle finger to the music department because they sort of didn't like what i was doing <laughs> Uh, so, so I studied, uh, physics and acoustics and then, uh, neuroscience and perception of sound and all that good stuff. Wow. And went Crazy. on to uh, graduate school at, uh, University of California, San Diego, where I got the, you know, the most useful possible degree, which was a master of arts in computer music. Um, <laughs> nice. but, but the sort of the, the kind of like interlude in that whole story was that I, 
had gotten really interested in building musical instruments and sort of found Mm. this little academic uh, niche where I could design and build uh, musical instruments and music interfaces for electronic musicians and for acoustic electronic musicians. So I was sort of going off the deep end with all of that. Uh, And so that was in 2012. I went out to San Diego um but while i was there you know my dad and i had my dad had been sort of teaching me woodworking growing up and it had always been sort of my sort of chosen medium if if not furniture making you know whatever i was making i was making with wood because it's sort of what i knew um but uh in 2013 my dad passed away and so i didn't have the chance to Mm. sort of finish that not training per se it wasn't like there was no apprenticeship or anything but i sort of he and i had talked about you know my learning woodworking in a more formal kind of setting um Mm -hmm. and so and he and i had actually talked about college of the redwoods i remember we used to see it in the back of fine woodworking magazine in the reader's gallery there was always you know, six pieces of the 18 would be from, <laughs> from College of Redwoods, right. uh, which, you know, which, which I remarked before, you know, my undying loyalty even began. Um, but so, uh, so I was already in California. And if you're a resident of California, uh, I got a Pell Grant to go to College of the Redwoods for fine woodworking. So I think I paid $800 for, for <laughs> nine months. So I was, wow, able, to, I was able to teach a middle school uh, job. Uh, the summer before I went, and then I lived for nine months up on the uh, the the Mendocino coast there, uh, doing wow. doing six days a week or seven sometimes, uh, you know, so ten, cool. ten to twelve hours a day. Yeah, uh, that is that's fantastic. And so that was sort of the beginning of the end. So so I got out of there. <laughs> uh, I made good friends with with a lot of great people up there, including Ron Hawk. And when I when I sort of made up my mind that I was going to go back to the East Coast, Ron Hawk called up his friend Joel Moskowitz. Uh, who was the or is the owner of Tools for Working Wood? Uh, and I went to work for Joel ah. for for six months or so. Uh, okay. But but while there, sort of realized that my now fiance Jocelyn uh, was moving back from Peru at the same time, and she decided to land in Maine. Um, so <laughs> so after being in New York for six months, living in a windowless bedroom in Sunset Park. Uh, with no, you know, workshop outside of what we had sort of on the demonstration floor at the at the store, uh, I decided to to move up to Maine and and open up shop and uh, and I've been doing, you know, misguided uh, strange projects <laughs> since then. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. What was, <laughs> what was the what was the name of the? So it was a it was a co-op building. Uh, in well, Maine. yeah, what, yeah. So what's it was, that? It was the oh god, you put me Pepperell Mill. Pepperell. Um, yeah, so it was a former textile mill um, that uh, it wasn't just one building; it was this yeah, complex. I think there huge, were eighteen buildings or something. Huge place there. Yeah, Ben, did you you did you come and visit? I I, I, I didn't. Did. I, I didn't come in. I, I, oh no, been we, out there. I visited. No, right. um, oh, geez, now you got me on the spot. You were up at the open house, is that right? No, I I stopped in and visited. Um, Gosh, he's a really talented maker uh, that went to North Bennett. Oh, um, wrote, was it Kevin Rodell or Sten Havamaki? Uh, Sten. It was Sten. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I knew you'd been there, but I, I couldn't remember if you'd been in my shop. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. Sten's, Sten is also a great guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was yeah. this big, like, 18-building complex uh, that this guy, Doug, uh, bought. <laughs> okay. uh, I think the town of Biddeford basically gave it to him for a dollar. 
uh, oh, crazy. On, uh, you know, just because <laughs> God knows the taxes the first year on that, you know, building right. complex was probably in the six digits. Um, so, so, and he's, I, as far as I know, he still is going through and, and sort of renovating a building one at a time, but it was, it was a great campus because the top three floors of the five story building were all luxury apartments for sort of, you know, main vacationers. Um, mm. and that floated the bill. So all of the, the bottom two floors were really inexpensive works, workshops um, right, of all right. kinds. So my neighbor was a bookbinder, and then across the hallway, there was a sculpture artist. And then there was also like a KFC Taco Bell franchisee, you know, <laughs> who had their office there. Sure, it was a totally perfect. wacky mix, but yeah. it was really great. It, sure. was, it, was, it was a great place to sort of come up. My little shop, it was 450 square feet. It was my little slice of heaven, and yeah. uh, and that's where I started making uh, the rulers, my my period, okay. the rulers yeah. of the ancient world, my yeah. period correct uh, rulers. That's some really interesting, uh, fascinating. Really, your cabinet maker sector and the, yeah, yeah, Egyptian cubit and span rulers. And... Yeah, I went way off the I went way off the path you went, there for a yeah, bit. You went down a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had I had this thing which was you know I wanted to make tools, especially right. you know influenced by Ron Hawk and Joel Moskowitz and all these people sure. and Tim Manny, who was who was a friend a friend of mine up at uh, up in Brunswick. Um, he he was also doing. Uh, you know, all the, all these, this tool making, making his reamers and his adzes. And I remember mm -hmm. getting, you know, sort of friendly with Tim and realizing, oh, this is how, you know, woodworkers actually survive uh, who don't want to, you know, uh, do other, do anything that they don't want to do. They find right, something right. smaller and cheaper and more marketable to do to float themselves between commissions. Sure. Um, but I also didn't want to just, I didn't want to make tools that were already being made. I just sort right. of said, I, you know, I, yeah, sure, I could throw my two cents in on, you know, a better square or, uh, you know, the best <laughs> whatever, but palm right. chisel, you know, dovetailing but palm chisel. But uh, so I just sort of realized, well, uh, you know, there's got to be something. And I'd had this idea. Uh, I, I, I read a great book on uh, the Egyptians and their measurement systems, which is largely full of conspiracy theories, but uh, <laughs> but it's a great book and it talks a lot about metrology of the ancient Egyptians and was the idea. And then I think I actually have to credit Joel Moskowitz, I'm not sure, but I remember in a, in a conversation he and I had, one of us cracked the joke about rulers of the ancient world. And like any good, you know, career, it was launched with a, a pun, basically. That's awesome. Um, That's and then, a, yeah, and then, and then the sector was, yeah, yeah, we get caught, yeah. I think I, at one point I worked out how many square feet I French polished while I was making it. Because every single one, every single one I French polished with a pad by hand. Wow. Uh, can can you talk the about the, the function of that uh, that sector? Oh, God, yeah, the sector. Yeah, hey, you you sound like an inbox. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, no, it's a, it's a great tool. So, I, I, so, you know, there's some sort of basic geometric truths that kind of it wields uh, rather adeptly. But it's really just about multiplying and dividing lengths using uh, a set of dividers. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the so the scales open and close, and you can set so, it to sort of different distances. Tons of lots of applications. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, it's one of these funny things where I made it, you know, I got interested in it. I had read Secrets of the Sector 
which was Chris Schwartz's and Jim Tolpin's article. Uh, I think that was, I don't know. It was, it was years and years ago, but I found it sort of later on and got really interested in this tool and kind of dug deep. And I had talked with Chris Schwartz a few times before then about the rulers and about making a Rubo ruler and all this kind of stuff. Uh, he, I think he bought set number two of my rulers. So he was sort of there early on. Um, but so he mentioned, you know, oh, you're interested in sectors. I'll just I'll just put you in with George and Jim. And so I ended up having these long conversations with Jim Tolkien and George Walker about them, which was, you know, sort of uh, a pinch me moment. I, I remember I had a book of Jim Tolkien's awesome. that my dad had put a note in for me. He given it to me and said, sort of, you know, pay attention to this guy. He knows what he's doing. That's, so it was a, it was a cool. great moment. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's a straightforward tool, uh, if you know what, what to do with it, <laughs> it's, it's not particularly easy to make and measure out. It, it gets kind of funky. And I, and one of these days I'm going to put together a, you know, make your own sector kind of guide that, that spells well, out some of the geometry. Uh, or when you teach it, it too, as a class, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, have, yeah. Have yeah. Yeah. No, no, I do. Yeah. I've got, I've got another class coming up here. I think in, oh, it's in November. It's not for a little while. Where do you teach that? So I teach at a Lost Art Press. Okay. Um, yeah. So, oh, I didn't finish my, my creation yes. here. Um, so, I, <laughs> so I was working in this mill in, in Maine uh, while uh, Jocelyn was in nursing school. And so she had a sort of two-year timeline on her nursing school. Um, and we knew uh, we liked Maine a lot, but we sort of knew maybe it wasn't home. Or more than anything, we knew that when she was done with school, we would have this opportunity to kind of move anywhere. And her being a nurse, you really can just move anywhere. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, you can get a job at the drop of a hat. So, uh, so I sort of stuck my head out of my little 450 square foot hole and started looking around and mentioned to a few people I was I was uh, interviewing for a job at the Philadelphia Furniture Workshop and uh, looking at a place in Hudson, New York, which was doing custom cabinetry and all that kind of stuff. And finally, uh, uh, I think Chris Schwarz caught wind that I was. Uh, you know, sort of maybe thinking about moving or, or taking a job, a real job. Um, and he suggested to Megan, who I talked with, they had just written an article about me. Um, and so she, Megan and I had been in contact and she reached out and said, hey, I didn't know, you know, if you told me you were looking for a job, we could have talked sooner. <laughs> and so Megan hired me as managing editor at Popular Woodworking. And so we moved from Maine to Cincinnati, or or I'm on, like I said, the the good side of the river here yeah, the in Kentucky, <laughs> we're the Jersey City of uh, Cincinnati here. Um, so uh, uh, so I took the job as managing editor there. I was there for six months before, uh, you know, uh, corporate uh, crap uh, forced me to to reconsider, right. uh, uh, which uh, it, it turned out to be a great thing because the next day. Uh, when I left there the next day, uh, Chris invited me to start showing up at Lost Art Press and just working out of there. Oh, that's uh, awesome. and so, and so for the past almost two, no, well, for the past year and a half, I've been, uh, basically sharing, sharing shop space with, with Chris Schwarz, which is, uh, you know, rewarding. Not, not, not a, right. not a bad, uh, deal no, not a bad gig. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so he and I sort of do a bit of work trade. I help him out with some of his stuff and, and he gives me, you know, space. And we have the, you know, the 
classes coming through there and the open houses and visiting, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Roy Underhill shows up every once in a while. Uh, Nancy <laughs> Hiller was just there this afternoon, that's, you know. That's awesome. It's, it's hard to beat. Yeah, JoJo Wood <laughs> just left earlier this week. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. So, pretty sweet. so that's been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so, and that brings us to the present day. <laughs> All right, there we are, and done. Wrapping up. Now, no one needs to write my bio. I just won't do anything else. I'm going to sit still now. For... Sit still. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh, cool. So the classes that you teach on the uh, on the sector, <clears throat> you provide them with. Because it seems like yeah. it needs to be a pretty accurate thing, and it has, it yeah. like it has little little excursions for the the divider points. Maybe? Oh God, yeah. I, I so we I called those Fitzes because Megan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I had I it had been an idea to sort of figure out a better way to rather than just poking holes where the yeah, dividers go. Right. And That's... Megan Fitzpatrick was the one who said, you know, what you really should little... put something with some metal in there. So I figured brass out this tubing. stuff with brass tubing, and I named it after. Her. Nice. Uh, it's been a thorn in my side ever since, <laughs> right. uh, in, in the best way. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so it is a pretty precise little thing. So yeah, I kind of beautiful. I the, what I do beforehand is I I dimension them and I put those little slots in for the hinges. oh for the hinge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because that's just one. It would just be this thing where everyone would and line up stand the line. Table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, if they screw it up, it you know it just it it's breaks, over. it explodes when you try to rivet it, right. uh, which I found out you know the hard way a dozen times. So, uh, so that I kind of pre-cook some of it, but but as a part of the class, so we assemble them. It's a great sort of beginning tool making class because you get to work with some brass and some wood and do kind of finer, smaller work and sort of fine tuny sort of stuff. Um, and then we also go through all the sort of background geometry and right, how the right. thing actually how works. How to use it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's super yeah, cool. It is, it it is, is. way cool. Yep. Geometry yeah. is such a fun math. Are, are you familiar with, um, oh God, what's that thing called? Um, it's like the original level, uh, a labella. Maybe? Oh, yeah. Labella. labella. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. That's just fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Plumbobs, that... man. Plumbobs. Right. The future. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know this, but that's that's where the real money is, is in plumbobs. Plumbobs help make some fancy yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh forget God. the laser. Don't, don't say it too loudly or we'll start seeing. That's yeah. gonna be the next. That's gonna be the next. Uh, the next uh, dovetailing butt chisel is gonna be plumbobs. <laughs> plumbobs. <laughs> yeah. But you're uh, you're teaching you're teaching other classes too. So, yeah. so what are, what are some of the other classes that you? Well, teach yeah. So so I have this blessed uh, ex- uh, uh, existence where I have like four or five different people, uh, you know, kind of speaking from my shoulders. So I have Krenov on one shoulder. Uh, so I do some sort of cabinet makery kind of classes. Uh, we've got uh, I'm, I'm teaching at Mark Adams in three weeks. Uh, teaching a teaching a Krenov wall cabinet class there. Uh, you know I've got Chris Schwarz in the room with me, so I've been doing some steak furniture classes. I've got a steak furniture and a sector class coming up at Port Townsend in September. Um, and then uh, I've got Jenny Alexander on the other shoulder doing Greenwood chairs so i do wow. a uh, i do a <laughs> footstool class that's sort of greenwood style post and rung footstool with a danish cord seat and so yeah so somewhere in there i've also got some danes yelling at me there's probably eiler horth west is probably on the other shoulder <laughs> that's you awesome know. but he's he's still around i can't say he's on a shoulder he's he's just in california telepathically you know 
yelling Danish at me. Sending you emails? No. Man, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty unbelievable how you can go back and forth between all of these. Uh, I, I know it's all woodworking, but it's pretty different uh, style and type of uh, woodworking. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> it's funny, though. You know, if I could draw you a Venn diagram and I could find some stuff in the middle. It, it, is, right. it is funny the more you, you know, like I know it's some, I, I carve spoons. Um, it's a great sort of uh, activity, uh, right. especially when you're, you know, away on vacation. You can't bring your tools with you, but you can probably pack a knife and a hook knife and maybe an sure, axe sure. if you're a really yeah. daring packer. Uh, <laughs> but but those knife skills and that green wood skills, one, it pays, you know, dividends in, in the green wood chair making. But, but in the Krenov stuff, too, you know, I carve poles for all the cabinets just right. like Krenov did with a knife. And right, right. you, 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 the, everything really does start playing into each other. I just finished a, a no glass showcase, which was based on one of Krenov's uh, designs from one of his books. Uh, and it has these five sided legs with these sort of deco stepped reliefs right. up the side. And, you know, uh, uh, three years ago, or, or even at the school, I might have tried to do that with a router table right. or with, but it, I got a draw knife and a, mm. and a, and a, and a spoke shave out and, right, and, right. and a knife. And it really, I mean, it, I, I couldn't have done it the way I did it and probably not as quickly or honestly as, as sort of good looking, um, you know, as I can with, with these basic hand tools. So, that, so those skills do all play into each other. Yeah, yeah that's very right, right. interesting, especially, uh, you know, five-sided. So you're trusting your eye you know right. a lot rather than some machine or tool yeah yeah i mean you, you get it on the bandsaw there's some great photos uh, that i've got of krenov using the bandsaw he was a real bandsaw cowboy um and you know you get the bandsaw out and you rough it out and you, you sort of get yourself to where you can start shaping it and krenov would have taken planes and a chisel to it or a knife um but you know i just found the spoke shave you know having used it so much making these chairs i'm making it, right it, it just made sense it, it, was, it right. was sitting there and it was sharp yeah and then using that uh, like using a chisel for that transition that little 45 uh, yeah chamfer right. and yeah it looks great yeah they all they all yeah i'm standing next to it uh, this one didn't leave home uh but it is for sale blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but uh but no yeah i mean it's it, it it's a great piece it's very Cronovian. you know there's right. no there's no pretending that you know jenny alexander is, is somewhere in this piece it's shellac and mortise and tenon there's no draw bores you know it's it's right. really it's really a Krenov piece but yeah, but the skills and techniques come through you know you you you, you use the skills you you build Right. Uh, and I've been lucky, you know, working at a law Art press, only about half of what I do is uh, focused, paid kind of labor. It's most of what I'm doing is I sort of still think of it as continuing education um, where I'm lucky to sell. I, I'm mostly build spec pieces. And, right, and right. if people want them, they buy them. Uh, people don't always want them. And, and that's fine because mm -hmm. I still sort of see this as. Yeah, I've got, oh, I, you know, the 10,000 10, hours thing is a total lie, but but I still kind of <laughs> see myself as, you know, in the midst of that uh, sort of period. I, I'm still sort of on my journey to to being good. Sure. You know, I still yeah. sort of think of myself as just kind of <laughs> right. a, along the way. I wonder if that would ever change, you know? Um, yeah, right. I don't know that I would face a perspective to. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what you, I mean. It's you, like, you really don't yeah. want it to. Right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's a great place to be. 
right, right. you know, being curious and wanting to make new stuff all the right. time. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And I wouldn't have made a you know a, a four rocker, eight post, seven flat monster. <laughs> I saw that thing. I was you like, know? Wow. yeah. Te- you know, Chester Cornet is another one of those examples. So one wild. of the one of the people on my yeah. shoulders. Yeah. Can you talk about yeah. Chester Cornet for a little bit? Because I know yeah. a little bit about him, but uh, yeah, well, and, such and, an interesting and people character. Can go read my uh, the article. <laughs> yeah, I wrote an article for Mortis and Ten, and I think it was issue. I'm going to my bookshelf now. I think it was issue five, which had the Japanese kana on the front. I'm flipping through. Yeah. Um, in issue five of Mortis of Ten, and I wrote a sort of short-ish article that kind of touched on his biography. But So Chester Cornett was a, or Cornet, it's Cornet is how the Eastern Kentucky folks say it, how the Appalachians say it. Chester Cornet, um, he was a, he was a chairmaker. Um, he was born out in, uh, I think, Perry County. Uh, which is far eastern Kentucky, you know, what was what is coal country and kind of the, the mm. you know, separated distant Appalachia. Um, and he grew up, he, I don't think he finished third grade. You know, he grew up really in the mountains in the hollers. Uh, and, and he learned chairmaking from, uh, from his grandfather, Cal Fouch, I believe was his grandfather's name. Um, who was just, you know, a, a rural chairmaker with a little hand-turned lathe. Uh, he learned to, you know, make chairs of the same way that's probably been done for, you know, 100 or 200 years in Appalachia. And even longer, you know, with the Huguenots or whoever it was that came over from France to settle there, you know, brought their chairmaking tradition. Uh, so they're this really primitive greenwood chair um but he you know he, he got inducted into the army during world war ii he went to the aleutian islands and had a deeply sort of harrowing experience where he watched people sort of start to death and he came back to kentucky really a kind of a broken man um for lack of a you know a better a better right, phrasing right. and mm-hmm. so he tried to get a job in hazard and he sort of tried to live a normal life and i think he really just couldn't um, but what he could do, and this sort of the thing that he talked about giving him comfort, was make chairs. Um, so, you know, it, it, for from, I think, the age of, like, 20 onwards, he just made chairs like a madman. Um, he built chairs for movie theaters. He, he, at one point, he was selling them for groceries. You know, he would just trade a chair for groceries. Uh, <laughs> he dried gourds. He made musical instruments out of gourds. Uh, you know, he just sort of did whatever he could to get by. Um, but at some point, you know, this, whether it was, people call him sort of a folk artist, which I think is kind of dismissive. Folk mm-hmm. artist still, to me, kind of smacks a little bit of, uh, you know, it still sounds kind of condescending to me because he really right. was an incredible craftsperson. I mean, he mm-hmm. was a first class chair maker. Right, right. Um, but he, but he kind of got it. He got these really out outlandish designs in his head from somewhere <laughs> right. and started making them. And so, uh, so I, I, what, what caught my eye were these really elaborate, he called them two in one rockers. So they're, they're rather than two rockers <laughs> and four posts, they're eight posts and four rockers. Um, and I, I've been lucky enough now in the past, you know, year and a half or two of living here in Kentucky, we've, we've gone around and seen, I think all of them except for one, that are still kind of known and, and, and out in the wild or, or in museums. So there's some really beautiful Crazy. chairs. And so, so I wrote that article for Josh, and I think, 
I think before it was published, I finished this, the chair that I sort of copied off of him and kind of made my own. Um, but it was also just after I took a class with Larry Barrett, who was one of Jenny Alexander's students. We went out to Baltimore, uh, got to hang out with Jenny a little bit and, uh, when she was still with us and took a class with Larry Barrett, one of her students doing the, all the Greenwood, you know, Jenny style chairs. So, so Chester Cornett and, and uh, Jenny Alexander are kind of, uh, have a lot of my headspace nowadays in this sort of chair making stuff, you know, okay. making these sort of outlandish, odd forms, but building them solid, you know, fat with, man with, rocker. Yeah, yeah, the fat man rocker. And I just finished the fat man setting chair, which was a six post, uh, you know, sitting, sitting chair. They're fantastic. That's fantastic looking. It, it's it's really fun. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's it it one. It, you know, my thing is you're building chops. You know, part of it is I'm learning chair making. You know, I've still made. I think the this most recent chair was probably like my sixteenth chair, which is for me still. You know, it's like two or three dining sets. So I'm still very much learning the sort of greenwood stuff. Right. right. Um. Uh, so you're practicing, but then the outlandish stuff just makes you have to try new mm. things or come up with a novel solution. You know, right. Chester never wrote an article for Fine Wood. Chester barely wrote at all. So, you right. know, his, what's left of his techniques, you know, there's a few, there was a book written about him and, and he talked a little bit and he made a video. But he really, you know, a lot of those techniques are on the verge of being lost to a certain uh, extent. Mm. Um, there are a few things that I figured out when I was making uh, this rocking chair of his or of mine, uh, you know, that I got, I figured out how he did it by watching back uh, of the video that, that someone made of him making a chair and pausing it at certain points to figure out, you know, did he really, you know, how did he drill the mortises for the rockers? And I watched the video a few times and caught him at one point. He's drilling with a, with a, uh, you know, an old auger bit. And he's drilling and drilling and drilling, and he keeps putting his hand under the rocker, and you realize he's feeling for the spur. Feeling for and it. that's how he would know when he had finished bottoming out the mortise. You know, he never, he didn't measure, or he used his hands to measure everything. He didn't use rulers. It's all that kind of stuff. Where can you, so there's, where, where can yeah. you see that video at? Yeah, so Apple Shop, which is spelled A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P, -P -P, like Appalachian. Okay. Um, they're a documentary film group slash nonprofit sort of thing uh, that's down in, in, in eastern Kentucky. Uh, and they've made videos on all sorts of things like the dying apple orchards of, of eastern Kentucky and all this really fascinating sort of Appalachian culture documents. Um, and they shot a video with Chester in, in the uh, early 70s. It was, I think it was his second or third to last chair that he ever made. Oh, wow. um, they shot a video with him, uh, which included him going out in the woods and cutting the tree down and telling stories about, you know, <laughs> his sort of crazy life. Um, Just making a chair from a tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Well, and so yeah. what's so funny, you know, so in the midst of all this, I was building these chairs and writing about Chester. I opened up Jenny's book, Make a Chair from a Tree, from 81. And, uh, uh, and you realize in the first chapter, you know, Jenny mentions a couple uh, chairs that she had seen that were influential. And three of the eight chairs are Chester Cornet chairs. Wow. Uh, um, they're unlabeled. They don't say Chester Cornet on them. But, you know, you know, once you start looking for them, you know where they are. And sure enough, she and Michael Owen Jones, who wrote the biography of Krenov, had been corresponding about uh, Greenwood chair techniques. So, 
you, you know, it's a small world uh, in this in this sort of goofy greenwood chair making. But but more than anything, uh, you know, you really uh, you realize how interconnected, you know, someone like Chester Cornett, uh, you know, a, a semi literate genius, but, uh, you know, rural guy and a lawyer, you know, a, a lawyer in Baltimore with this quirky interest in chair making, uh, you know, how much they have in common. It's, it's right. one of the sort of beautiful things of furniture making is, yeah. is where, uh, you know, where and how those skills get handed around and, and preserved. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. And then Jenny Alexander met James Krenov up at College <laughs> of the Redwoods at one point. And I'm still wow. waiting for a, for a blow by blow report on that meeting <laughs> uh, from in the nineties. But no, it's, I mean, it's, it's all, it's a small little world we live in, in, in furniture making. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so I started talking about Krenov. So the other thing I'm doing uh, is writing a biography of James Krenov amidst all this, you know, silly, silly chair making. Is but, that, is that why you built, that cabinet or I mean, was uh, that it was it? a good excuse to build this right, cabinet. right okay yeah cool. yeah i mean it's i called it at one point i called it uh, uh method biographic writing it's like there well why not why not build one of his pieces while i'm writing about him it seems That's sort of awesome. appropriate yeah right um right. and you know it's still sitting in my house so uh it's got to pay me somehow so in, in experience <laughs> and skills maybe it's a good way there you um, go. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no. And so, so, you know, having gone to college of the Redwoods and then coming out and working with Chris and, and sort of being around lost art press, uh, Chris had gotten it in his head, uh, some time ago that he wanted uh, a biography of Krenov because there, there is none. Uh, and when I left pop wood, that was a good moment to, to open up that project. So that's mm. been sort of the, unfortunately at times side project, which it really shouldn't be, but, but it's, been a lot of my sort of main headspace for the past year or so uh, right. i finished chapter seven of god knows how many the other day and you've, so you've been back to fort bragg haven't you in the last yeah well i try to go back as much as i can because it's sort of there's a some you know there's some kind of pilgrimage uh, i feel drawn to do there um but but no the, yeah the last time i was there was really on a research trip so i brought a camera and a scanner and and sort of went around and saw a couple of his pieces and spent some time with his daughter uh, and a number of the, you know, the teachers and, and students of his uh, sort of doing a light course of interviewing. Um, okay. But in the course of that, I think I scanned like something like a thousand pictures and pages and documents. Mm. And oh, uh, wow. it's enough to including his mother's entire autobiography that was never published and you know, just, just a, he had a, an amazing, amazing life. Uh, he, he did a lot of the work for me in writing this biography, just having lived a fascinating life. <laughs> right, so right. It makes my job easy. Yeah. When, when, you were at, when you were at College of the Redwoods, it, it was Laura Mays, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And I, I, I apologize. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, when, yeah. Did, when did Jim pass away? So he, Jim died in 2009. Okay. This is all the, this is the moments so I have to be very careful because I definitely know these things. Okay. Oh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. You know, I'm writing a biography. Um, but so he had stopped teaching at the school a few years earlier. Okay. So Michael Burns, who had, who had been one of the teachers sort of from the beginning, or actually not sort of, 
he had been the one of the other teachers from the beginning. Okay. Um, he sort of took over as head teacher at some point in the late nineties and Jim kind of retreated to a, just sort of a teacher's role rather than sort of the head teacher. Um, and then in the sort of mid two thousand in 2004, I want to say, or 2003, I forget when he left and when the next people started, but he, he then left, left the school, uh, in either Northwest and, uh, uh, Oh God. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Kevin. Uh, Oh, I'm forgetting names. It's terrible to me. Anyway, <laughs> they brought on two other, two other teachers sort of took their spot and, Okay. Uh, that's that 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 was sort of his the end of his relationship, and and he he soured on the school. Uh, uh, Greg Greg Smith, sorry, that's the name I was forgetting. I'm embarrassed. <clears throat> Barney, but you can't call him Barney. Um, <laughs> Greg Smith, took, but but he kind of soured on the school. Uh, there's conflicting reports, some of which, as a biographer, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, but basically, he kind of got soured on it. He, at the end of his life, ended up uh, endorsing uh, Inside Passage, which was a school started by one of his students from College of Redwoods up in, up in oh, Canada. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it, but all this time, he was still being visited by, you know, David Welter, his sort of longtime assistant and friend, and, uh, you know, all the sort of community were still very much a part of his life. It's a funny sort of relationship he had with the school. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that uh, about James Cranoff that are conflicted. Just, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah. That's just, and that's yeah, one of the. We can get into that's it. one of the one of the one of the reasons why he's probably as interesting as he is. Right, it's, right. it's just that yeah. there are conflicts, oh, yeah. and and why it's interesting to do a autobiography about it. Well, right. right. Yeah, I mean, Ian, you know, some poor sucker, you know, someone somewhere is writing a biography of some guy who was born in Iowa and then lived his whole life in Iowa. Uh, and was a really great, you know, <laughs> was a great, great guy, yeah. whatever he did. Boring yeah, and it was all a great guy. Guy. <laughs> Yeah, and that poor guy's got to do so much more work than I do. Ben doesn't live in Iowa. <laughs> That's right. I live in right. South Dakota. <laughs> right. South South Dakota. Oh, I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I, I spent some time in South Dakota. I know South Dakota. Uh, on Pine Ridge. I saw, I saw the worst oh, in yeah, South Dakota, Ridge, unfortunately. You bet. You bet. It's a beautiful place, but that was... It is oh, I, was, I did a mission trip there with oh, the my Waldorf school okay. on Pine Ridge Reservation. For, we, built a, we built a kindergarten there. For uh, what time of year were you there? Uh, oh, uh, spring, springish summer. Springish summer. So oh. not, not, not the. <laughs> I didn't see that part of summer. Yeah, you so, should, Although I, yeah, Jan I have through your Instagram. January, February, beautiful yes. times. <laughs> yeah, man, Maine was enough. Yeah. I don't need. I don't sure. need the Upper Midwest. That's yeah. that's too far. Right. Uh, 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 yeah, Pine Ridge. That's interesting. Interesting country. Oh. Boy, yeah, it is, it is. It is beautiful, though the starkness. It's of just the it's devastating in, in beauty and in you know and in condition. Yeah, the, yeah. The, well, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's another podcast. Different podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> that's right. um, but oh, no, crazy. no. So you know, so Cranoff, he he had he brought so many people to the craft. You know, right. he it's he it's just amazing. people approach when I started talking about Cranoff and when I started meeting people. Uh, and saying that I'd gone to the school and now, especially that I, you know, I'm talking about writing a biography, people just come out of the woodwork, uh, to say that Krenov was the reason they got into it. Yeah. Don Williams. Uh, that was my mentor. You know, of all people. Yeah. 
Don Williams got into it. You know, the head of furniture conservation at the Smithsonian wow. got into this because of Krenov. And he's the least Krenovian woodworker right. I can think of in so many ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and I think it's his books. Well, I know from my mentor, right. Michael, his books yeah. really spoke to him. At a, and I guess at a particular point in his life, Right, that it really made uh, an impact on him. And, yeah, you know, well, if, when you think about woodworking in the seventies in America, right. it's yep. like chipboard uh, and you know, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. pocket screws. Uh, and, but but you realize, you know, he so he came with this message of sensitivity and yeah. working with the natural material and playing to its strengths and all this really, you know, wholesome kind of holistic stuff that i think mm -hmm. you know so and it, and it comes you know around the time of the sort of back to earthers and right right you know this whole that, sort of growing you're, ex movement. you're explaining my mentor right now. right exactly yeah <laughs> well and i think there's and and what's now, great now i see starving. it no, just... and, well yeah yeah well and i see a real parallel too now i mean more you know with this sort of uh, a lot of people i look around and i see a lot of the same kind of conditions i think sort of this back to earthy organic whatever it is sensitivity right. Uh, and and then I see you know something needs remedying like uh, melted clown wig epoxy fills and <laughs> uh, and I think you know Krenov is due for a re reemergence. Had, had to throw Absolutely. that in there, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I did. That yeah, That's, I have to give credit to to Clark Kellogg for the, for oh, the yeah. melted clown wigs pun. <laughs> it's, I, I was telling Ben, I think it's the only post I've saved on Instagram with, was where Clark Kellogg referred to the school of melted wigs woodworking um Clock but no you know me up. yeah it really it's amazing um but so you know so but along with that sort of sensitivity and that real kind of rich thing he was talking about he himself was a very brash or difficult person right. um you know and this this kind of sweet sensitive thing he wrote in some ways was him in life and in some ways was his you know diametric opposite right um right. which just yeah i mean it, it makes for a great story and there's a lot to unpack you know it's it's one of these things where you really can't you know everyone i think aspires to you know read more about someone and get more insight into their work or something which you know is it, 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 not always true you know there are certain musicians mm -hmm. who make the music they make because it's what they were good at doing and the fact that they were blank growing up or whatever may or may not play into it but krenov right. really there's so much to unpack uh in how he worked and where he worked and his influences uh that just i mean for me going back and looking at carl momsen's work whose school he attended or sort of the trends and where he was at certain times in his life just totally start lining up and hitting these points of oh you know that that curve that aesthetic that whatever right, that really does make sense given yeah. his background yeah. um so mm -hmm. it's one of these things that I, is certainly rewarding to write and i hope will be oh yeah you know, Man, rewarding that's, ex to read. <clears throat> that's yeah. exciting look forward to it <clears throat> a buddy a buddy of mine uh kevin kelly he he was up there at college of the redwoods and he he likes talking about about uh james mm -hmm. krenov yeah it's he has some interesting stories. Oh yeah, just the way he would talk to you while he's feeling the furniture right, right, yeah, and just yeah. running his hands yeah. under it. And yeah, I mean that was pretty the, cool. That was the best I'm a little envious of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, we would do the same thing with Welter, who was who was the sort of shop technician, but was really in in some ways sort of the heart and soul of the school, um, and and sort of the old guard when I was there. Um, but Welter, you, you people would watch him 
while he was at the shows and you would wait for him to stand next to a piece. And if he stood next to a piece long enough and sort of ran his hand on it, <laughs> you knew that you did something right. Or, you know, if he was sort of scowling, you might have done something You're wrong. You're like, dang it. Um, yeah, but, but that, no, you really did. You watch for that. And, and it's, so it's one of those things, you walk away from there with a totally skewed education. You know, you don't walk away <laughs> yeah. a successful cabinet maker, but you do right. walk away with this really uh, attuned sort of... Uh, uh, awareness perspective. And perspective of what what you can do you know, uh, what you what you could yeah. do with with your woodworking what um, uh what year did you uh, graduate so i was there from uh 2014 to 2015 okay so so i mm. left in 2015 i wonder did you ever know of a gentleman called bana armbruster uh no so bonner was before me okay, uh, okay. I, I i certainly know the name okay uh i think he was there two or three years before me okay i believe cool um yeah so so every year there are some second years uh and i if Mm -hmm. i had had any money left in my bank account at the end of nine months i would have been there Uh, Uh, but so there's this sort of uh knowledge passing that so you kind of hear oh well last year the second years when they were first years their second year had been bonner or something you kind of get the sense you hear about the right sort of the students passed. Oh, cool. Uh, That's awesome. So, so, uh, so I ended up getting to know a few people that, that were not at the school. I was there just by sort right, of right, right. proxy sure. to a certain extent. Cool. But, awesome. Yeah. It's an, it's an amazing thing. This sort of monastic experience living in the, you know, the headlands of the Mendocino coast and working, working mm-hmm. six or seven days a week, yeah, doing, sounds... doing 60 or 70 hours. Fantastic. Yeah, it was. It really was. I still and, even uh, today. I'm like, man, one year, one year, I'll go. Yeah, <laughs> I would yeah. love to just be a must. Oh, you're, you're too know? far gone now, man. Oh, you're, too far gone. <laughs> you're too far gone. But don't yeah, you don't... bring that. Bring your panto router with you. See what they think of that. <laughs> trade, trade them the JDS for the panto router. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. I remember the domino. Domino was a hushed was a hushed word when I was there. But oh, oh, but man, I got I got one soon after leaving, and I and now they all have. Oh yeah. All the cubs red, yeah, red. Right. Oh well, they're great. Yeah. When they use, they use, they do the, the, use the JDS, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. But, they have but, XY, but they yeah. also they also have boring machines, right. That they've rigged up with uh, with uh, chucks and chucks, you chuck end mills, like a them. like a Jackson chuck, oh, whatever. Man, and you yeah. just do it. You just do a manual mortises by hand with an end mill and a drill press. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's living. It's man. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's that's real. That's the real deal. That's the real I deal. Still, right there. I'm still looking for those for a horizontal boring machine so oh, I can man. do that. You could get God, those crazy cheap because. Um, a lot of right. cabinet shops shut down. Right. Um, yeah, but this. Uh, so, like, yeah. what speed do they run those at? I, the, with an the right speed. The right speed. Yeah. <laughs> there's only one speed. They, I never. There's no speed. They were just there when when I was there, and they the showed that machines, they, they just they just freehanded that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you just grab <laughs> the part awesome. and push it yeah. into. Yeah. And create your mortise, and I, yeah. I remember seeing that. Oh yeah, those machines are—they're—they're they're, they were European, European, European um, end mill, well, so they horizontal were, milling slot motors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were Davis and Wells. They were Davis and Wells boring machines oh, okay. out, of, out of uh, out of some factory, and you know, right. so they have okay. the pedal that plunges the bit. Yeah. So they were so for you, dowels, you know, door right? factory. Yeah. yeah, they're for doweling. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. But but no, we you, we just you know you fix the pedal, you set the depth, and then you just do it all by hand. Push it in and slide it <laughs> back first, left and right. The first project, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You just you move left and right and slowly yeah. move towards the bit. Yeah. Uh, and once a year, someone sends a piece flying across the room at at two hundred miles an hour. But <laughs> but crazy. but I, I did all the mortises on my first piece there, which was all mortise and tenon joinery. I'm also staring at that. I'm, I, God, I mean, I think there's like there's 40 mortise and tenons in it. I think wow. <laughs> breadboard ends, and and I did them all in that machine. And after that project, you get the claw. You know, you get right. that feeling in your hand where. You wake up in the morning and your hands are in that, that shape, the shape of whatever part you were working on the day before. The claw. But, but you really do. I mean, but it's, oh, man, it's the way to do it. It really yeah. is. XY machine be damned. It's yeah. just. That's oh. pretty sweet. It's yeah. real. Again, it's cowboy. It's cowboy woodworking. Right. It's the same thing with, like, shaping the planes on the bandsaw. Where right, right. You know, your hand plane is at all sorts of crazy angles getting shot through a through a bandsaw but, right. but oh, well, and, and that's that was, that was all slip tenons right no 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 no, no. live tenons okay, okay no cool. no uh, we, so slip tenons are one of those things it, it, it gets done a lot at the school um right but if you're doing right angle joinery and especially i think right, for the right, right. sort of first the projects or whatever they yeah. want people generally to be doing sort of live live tenons i guess is that the Whatever, yeah. whatever integral. you call that, yeah, yeah, integral. integral. Thank yeah. you. We need the mill worker yeah. to step in here and set us straight. <laughs> um, but no, that I mean, yeah. So that that was always encouraged. But I know, like later on, a lot of the students in their second year are building chairs and doing easy chairs and sort of mid-century stuff. And for those sort of complicated angles, the you know slip right. tenons just make so much makes, more sense sh- sure right. and you know modern That's adhesives awesome. render render them just yeah. as strong as anything else. <laughs> All right. <laughs> as long as you don't cool. use any of that that brown, that awful brown stuff. Don't use that brown stuff. Don't use that. <laughs> no, no, don't. don't. I use that on my chips. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, brown sauce is good my, for one thing. My man. fish and chips, yeah, man. Polish brown your polish your silver and and it's uh, gonna be it HP barbecue. though. Yeah, exactly. HP brown sauce. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If a dog wants to eat it, I don't want to use it to glue anything up. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but yeah so i mean so the school is an amazing you know it's it's this factory and people come there with all sorts of experience you know they don't require they require a certain kind of knowledge to get in but it isn't this um meritocracy sort of thing they're not just choosing the best woodworkers that apply they really right. focus on bringing in people that they think serve to benefit from the schooling and sort of have the right reason to be there um right, and it has right. a really great self-selecting group of people i I, i've heard in the past five years going back i try to get back every year um i've heard two students of whatever that is 125 students have a not and have not a good time uh everyone else just it's life-changing uh and in my year there was no one Mm -hmm. that had a bad time so far as i really know there were you know there are difficulties being in the room for Sure. For six days a week for nine months around other people. But but everyone leaves with this, you know, the grounding in the community is just incredible. Uh, every year mm-hmm. they have these midwinter shows, which serve as a sort of reunion for students. And people come, you know, the, the like uh, the attendance rate for for graduates is insane. You know, even like like we went to our uh, what was it? Ten year 
college graduation and maybe like 5% of the people show up, you know, and I had to get dragged to go, you know, it was like, uh, why, why would I want to do that? <laughs> but the, but every year at the midwinter show it, in, in, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Fort Bragg, California, people are coming in from New York and from, you know, yeah, cool. overseas to come spend, you know, some time in this, this place. So it's, it's an amazing thing and everyone That's... should apply. It's, it's, <laughs> It's just, especially, right? man, if you live in California, it is, it is a deal. Oh, yeah. yeah no, no kidding. I mean, it's just insane. Now, is it, is it, it's not the part of a community, or is it a part It of is still, culture? yeah, yeah. So it's this confusing thing. So I still call it Calls of Redwoods, which I shouldn't. It's the Krenov School. Um, right. And the reason for that rebranding hmm. is because the College of Redwoods was the community college network that they had initially uh, associated with themselves when they started the school in the 80s. And it was up until I think I was the second to last class or maybe the last class where we were still associated with that community college network. Um, all that happened, at least as far as any of us know, is that they just moved uh, community college network. So it's still a community college. The finances okay. and everything, I think, are the same. Um, it just okay. meant basically Laura Mays, the director of the school, has to go to meetings in a different place. Um, okay. They were okay. really, really Mendocino College is the new community college network. The biggest reason was College of the Redwoods. Their only, their closest uh, center. They, originally, they had been in Fort Bragg, but then they moved up to Eureka, which is two hours away. So Laura okay. would have to go on these treks like once a month for board meetings or, you know, something like that, and 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 go to these meetings and just show up and show that we still existed. This little weird because right. we were always a satellite campus. It was always its own building, off on its own. You know, sure. uh, Krenov when he when he, we, Krenov didn't really start the school. He he okayed being a part of the school, and then uh, Creighton Hoke and Michael Burns and Brian Lee and a bunch of these guys who had been part of the Mendocino Woodworkers Association really did the footwork. Uh, to get the school established and they just oh, they made this amazing deal you know where else can you find a, a you know a publicly supported school yeah. of fine woodwork right I mean, man it's just no kidding it's, it's just amazing. an amazing thing you know I, I owe california a great debt for paying for my you know my yeah. two my two completely unemployable degrees <laughs> that's in, in computer music and fine woodworking uh, well that's what my my buddy did bono he like you said, I don't know how long you have to be there to right. get residency or something, but he, that's what he did. Yeah. One year. Yeah. One year. One year. Yeah. Yeah. Out year. There, yeah, yeah. Worked and then went to school. So yeah. Yeah. And I was lucky enough that, that, uh, UCSD where I went to graduate school, they paid for your first year, uh, okay. of non-residence. Cool. And as long as you were a resident by your second year, they would pay for that too. So they actually paid me to get a degree in computer music, mm. um, awesome. which is ridiculous, but you know that is that's that's what you get with uh, you know mild socialism as you get this wonderful oh, so this wonderful schooling. But that's another podcast. Right? That's, that's another, another podcast, podcast right there. Yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd yeah. be a juicy well, one. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start my lecture to the proletariat uh, next time you have me on. That's awesome. Yeah. So have you um, have you taught at the Kronoff School? No, God, I, I yeah. If, if hey, Laura Mays, if you're listening. Um, I don't think so. No, I, I, well, <laughs> a little, little, yeah, little right. plug. There. No, so they right. do they do summer programs. Um, right. And really, as, as I understand it, without going into sort of some maybe privileged conversations, the summer classes are really uh, how a lot of the, is is the time when a lot of the teachers there actually make 
um, good money uh, because right. they're they're more sort of private classes. The pay is more. The tuition okay. is more like you'd see at Mark Adams or, or something right. like that. You know, so those I think those classes generally pay better to instructors in, in, in general. Okay. Um, so so you know, while I would love to teach her, I also the last thing I want to do is. Uh, you know, get in on a, get in on a good gig for some people I really respect. Uh, sure. But Laura Mays, oh, Jim, sure. Jim Budlong, if you are listening, uh, <laughs> I, I know. I'd, God, I mean, I would I would teach out there for free. It's just such a right, magical right. place. It really is. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And is that um, kind of where you wanted to go? A little mixture of I mean, that seems like what you're doing: teaching, writing, and doing commissions. Yeah, I mean, what I want—the thing I always used to say—and I used to say this before I started doing woodworking. But I was I was always on the path of least resistance to work with good people and do right. things I enjoyed. Uh, right, you know, right, right. I'm really mm-hmm. lucky that I found making things early in my life. Uh, you know, and, and so my mother is a weaver. My sister is an artist. My other sister is an activist. You know, I really grew up around really great, um, you know, influences uh, in my life. And I got really lucky to kind of figure out, yeah, I want to make stuff. Uh, Right. And then I got really lucky finding, you know, good people after good people, you know, between between Laura and and everyone at the school and and Ron Hawk and then Joel Moskowitz and then Tim Manny up in Maine and all the, and Sten and all those great people Chris, and then uh, coming down here and working with Chris. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's fabulous. Uh, so I was, I've been really, really lucky. Uh, that's pretty, you know, well, you share, you know, it's, it seems like you yeah. share your passion to people and, and that's right. kind of what, well, and what that's, it takes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, you know, and there's a wonderful thing, the wonderful, well, I say wonderful, the, the total double-edged sword of Instagram, but, um, but no, it's been great, you know, using that and, and connecting with people. And, you know, I remember Ben and I met at Woodworking in America in 2014 or 2015, whenever that was. Yeah, I don't, or 16? I don't yeah. know. It was at Woodworking America. I don't know. At Woodworking in America. I, I but I remember sitting down. Yeah. And I remember sitting down and saying, who's this? God, I feel like I know this guy. And Ben saying, uh, I'm Ben Brunick. I said, oh, Ben. Yeah, Ben. And he said, uh, Chalkstone Woodwork. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) But getting into that and being able to share your work with others. And that's really, you know, Instagram is an amazing resource for for watching your work and and following along. Absolutely. You know, people like Burn, you know, Burn Chandley is one of those people who I just, I just dissect everything I can see from the guy. Yeah. yeah, And uh, he really is. And, And so he, and he's one of those guys where God knows. 20 years ago, you know, I would never have, I would never have heard of this. Right. This and chair I, maker right. out there. Exactly. Well, we're going to be chatting with you right now. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It really is amazing. It is. So, and it's, it's a great organizing factor and you get to sort of blog and write about what you're doing and everyone can tell me how I write too much for all my posts, but it's just really, it's really great. And it's writing practice and it's photography practice. It's really a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's, so you it's got, also you got to take the good with the it's bad. It's also a good. Mm-hmm. It's also a good crowdsourcing. You can kind of right. see. You can you can put things out and you know just just from like feedback. You can kind of tell like like maybe something Get, something that feel it like, out. Yeah. You know is is this a is this a good idea or is it you know because most of the time you're like I don't know if this is a good idea or not a good idea. Right, you kind of right. put it out and and <laughs> you can kind of see you know, through, through some reaction, um, right. whether or not it seems like it's going to work. 
or not yeah, work, or, or yeah. just be a dead horse. Forget it. It's a bad idea. Right. <laughs> I better go. Co- I better go comment on your last post. Man. My last yeah, post, right, exactly. Yeah, my, last, my last post is some post that they deleted or they they pulled. They um. Oh no. Oh, the music. Yeah, the music oh, was in the really? background, oh, and they God. and they took it down. That's funny. So oh, Instagram gosh. is doing that now. That's cool. oh yeah. yeah. They did. Yep. Oh man! And it was the, because it's they've, Facebook. They've done that for yeah. a while. It was, it was yeah, right. My, my my thing was it was pretty. It was pretty. Uh, um, it was a pretty blatant thing. You know, I had a song <laughs> in the background while I was doing right, some right. stupid thing with an air hose, showing a showing yeah. a trick of blowing parts <laughs> out when they get singing yeah. into an air hose. Yeah, right. Well, when the parts get too tight, you know, and you can shoot yeah. them with the air hose. But yeah, I had a I had a Richard Hell song in the in the background that was just oh, there because I. I don't know. I like I like the song. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Oh man. Yeah. But they took no. But it's uh, it's good though. Funny. It's I mean it's great to share your work, and then it's great to get criticism, and then it's great to decide which criticism you want to listen to. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. I I think one of the I funniest... get inspired too. Yeah. Um, right. Right. You know. I just love I love uh, I think it was like a moment a moment of serious pride when I put up a chair and Peter Follinsby got on there and accused me of being a tinkerer, which was just the best, (laughs) the best. It's like, oh man, not only did I get him to get on his Instagram and get over to my post, but then I got him riled up enough to, to, to write about it. It's just, Uh, God, it can't be great. And I love Follinsby. He's an amazing, screenshot that a friend and an amazing guy. And and he and I agree on a lot more than we disagree on, but I just, and so that's the kind of thing too. You get this interaction with, you know the democratizing of interaction and social media is just a great right. is a great thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you know, and then people tell you you're making sure it's with too many posts, and then you <laughs> you just block them. Because, and then you pay you know, it. Yeah. You can't figure out when my chair's got Psych. six posts. You, Unfollow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blocked. <laughs> wheel, wheel the Mjolnir of, of uh, Instagram. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, super cool. Well, Brandon, hey man, yeah. it's been been great having you on. We're kind of getting close to the end of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love, yeah, to, yeah, love yeah. to keep keep rolling. Well, the Get room I'm in is right. running out of oxygen. I think, so it's probably <laughs> good. I've been talking a lot here. You're in a closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we want you to, you know, we mentioned at the beginning if there's anything you want to kind of plug and just, oh, yeah, yeah. just inform people and, you know, all that, all that jazz. Well, I guess, I guess, or your yeah. Yeah, your yeah. Website. Well, yeah, I've got burn-heart.com or the, the symbol dash. So someone somewhere has burnheart.com and they're getting a whole lot of my uh, web traffic, God knows. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll see, you see a bunch of my work on there. I've now parsed it up as best I can. So it's harder and harder to find my weird music. Uh, which is great, but if you dig, I think Phil found it. So I found some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, and then I, I'm teaching up at Mark Adams uh, in a few weeks. Here, it's going to be too late for anyone to get in on that, but you can sort of get excited. Uh, hopefully, Mark will have me back in the future. I'll be up in Port Townsend in September doing uh, the five-legged steak chair and a sector class there. Uh, and then the other thing people should do is go over to the Lost Art Press. Uh, on lostartpress.com up at the top tab we've got a thing on storefront classes and so Chris, cool. Megan and I mm-hmm. and then sort of a rotating cast of characters are all teaching uh, out of the shop there where, <sighs> That's awesome. you know, if you're looking for Very a great cool, yeah. sort of weekend getaway you know, there's Chris usually brings in donuts there's coffee and then you can also you know, work at a Rubo bench and, uh, and build some furniture which is, which is a great excuse 
to, to get away. But, Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I got, I got, I got the upcoming biography of James Krenov. I think we've ten- tentatively called it things. I don't remember. No, no things. I forgot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Listen to me. This is great. This is great. Oh, God. Oh, it's something like that. There's some quote from his interview with Oscar Pitcher. Oh, God. Uh, is that, well, anyway. Is that yeah, remember yeah. or forget? Oh, God. Things I, things I don't awesome. remember. Oh, shoot. Well, anyway, it's a tentative title, so don't quote yeah, me. Don't quote Can't me. quote me yet. I'll quote you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's really exciting and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah no kidding. me too, man. That's going to be very relatable with a lot of people. I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, uh, who hasn't heard of Krinov if you if you've been in furniture making for yeah. Yeah. for even a short amount of time, even if you didn't study Right. There, well, you know, and I mean a big, lot of, a lot big of part of it too is I think doing doing <clears throat> right by his reputation. And and right. Well, mm. Part of what I'm doing, I've been going through all these photos and slides and documents that were his and scanning them and archiving them and building up an archive, which I can hand off to the Krenov Foundation. Nice. So the Krenov Foundation will have an organized thing of all his writings or what, what at least sort of still exists. And, uh, you know, he, I, I think Krenov is well known for those books, but those books represent such a short period of his life. Um, right. And he, you know, continued to make beautiful cabinets. And the Krenov Foundation now has an online gallery of most of his work from from his career. That's well worth checking out. Um, but I think I think part of writing this biography and getting it out there will be get, making it more accessible for people in the future, both to find him for their own work, but also to include him in their writing and research about you know twentieth century mm-hmm. furniture makers because. I see him up there in the sort of pantheon. Um, and I think a lot of an older generation do, but I think his sort of lack of documentation, the fact that he never wanted to tell his story, uh, leaves him out of some of the, some inclusion in, in some of the larger sort of surveys of work. So right, right. I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic that I can, you know, spit in the well of contributing to, you know, history <laughs> of furniture in the 20th century, but. Uh, that's awesome. We'll see. Yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah. And someone else is editing it, so it'll be well written too. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was joking. I should just write it all on with my thumbs on my phone, just put it in Instagram posts. But I don't think I don't think people I've got to actually type it. It's a real chore. Uh, all right. On. Well, thanks cool. so much, guys, yeah. for having well, me on. I can't, I can't tell uh, you. It's 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 great. Yeah. It's great chatting with you all. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this for yeah. for oh, quite good. a while. Good, good, good. Well, you flatter me. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> that's good. Well, we All appreciate right. we appreciate beautiful work. We appreciate you having uh, taking the time to be on, Brandon. And oh, well, sure, uh, you know, sure, sure, sure. Wonderful to wonderful to get to hear your perspectives on things, and and you know hear about the work that you're that you're doing. I think it's you know, or I, at uh, least I'm telling you. I'm well, that's true. You know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's but I think it's valuable. I mean the 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 research that you do and being able to compile that and put it all into and, you know, put it into one place so that people in the future will be able to, you know, uh, easily, more easily digest it, uh, you know, or right. be able to actually, you know, have a taste of it. Um, right. I think, I think is, a, mm-hmm. um, you know, is a, is a big deal. And, and of course, you know, the work that you do, you know, I always, always enjoy seeing what you're, what you're up to. 
Um, it's just <laughs> yeah, fun. How many, posts, yeah, how many legs does this chair have? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's, it's, how many months did he work on yeah. that stupid cabinet? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's eclectic work that's, that's grounded in some historical. Right. Work. That's what's really that, cool. That's what's well, interesting. That's, yeah. yeah and that's just mm-hmm. it. Yeah, totally. Is, is, yeah. The, the, the interest is in, in technique and, and skill and tradition first. And then the aesthetic mm-hmm. is the playground, but it isn't, you know, it's not, it's not where the meat of the, is on the bone. It's, it's really sure. more, right. you know, that practice and sort of preservation of technique. That's so exciting. Absolutely. And it's not just, it's not just historical and it's not just like off the wall crazy. It's right. It's that nice combination of both where it's not, you know, it, it doesn't become too far one direction or another. I, right, I, right. I, I think you're doing a great job with what you're doing. Well, I, yeah, I keep reminding people that Jen, Jenny Alexander and Chester Corner were both 20th century woodworkers. I mean, they really were. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's something mm-hmm. to that. Absolutely. All right. On. Very cool. Well, thanks again. All right, man. Yeah, oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was, Phil, that Ramon, was great. Thanks, we appreciate guys. it. I really appreciate it, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ramon, yeah. you want to lead us out here? Yeah, thank you all once again for listening in on another episode of Woodworkers Podcast. We always appreciate it. If you have any questions about this show or past shows, suggestions for topics for future shows, shoot us an email, and that's info at woodworkerspodcast.com. And so on behalf of Ben Bronick, Philip Morley, and our latest guest, the super oh. smart <laughs> Debra oh, go. He got it. <laughs> he got it. In. Worked all it into the outro. Debra <laughs> Debonair is so cool. Oh, man. <laughs> Super interesting, talented furniture and tool maker, Brandon Bernhardt Gaffney. We absolutely appreciate you. I'm Ramon, and we'll see you right here on the next episode of Woodworkers Podcast. Thanks, Tony. Thank guys. you. Take care. Thank you. Brandon. Thanks, yeah. Brandon. Appreciate it. Yeah, Bye. thanks, man. Ciao. Cheerio. Everybody's still there. There you, you go. That was enough. Yeah, man, you guys are regular uh, audio engineers at this point. Oh, yeah. uh, I heard that that careful silence. That's perfect. <laughs> careful silence. We could we could pull off. Yeah, yeah we can do silence. We can do silence. Yeah, silence yeah. and awkward. That's what we do. <laughs>